Dum dum dum. Dum 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 dum. Dum dum. Welcome back to Westeros, everyone. So we have unintentionally kind of skipped every other week and have been doing only the odd episodes. Apologies for that in advance because life just happens. But we are here to talk about our thoughts briefly on episode four and go into an in-depth spoiler review of episode five. Just warning you now, if you haven't seen episode five of House of the Dragon, you'll want to click off. We are doing full spoilers. Also a reminder for everyone that Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon can stir up some negative and positive feelings for people, and that's okay for everyone to have good opinions, bad opinions, whatever the opinions are in the comments below. Just be respectful of one another and have a nice, pleasant discussion. So for episode four, I thought it was probably the weakest of the series, personally, in my opinion. It was a very uncomfortable episode. I think it was meant to be uncomfortable, and it did make me feel very uncomfortable. Episode 5, I thought, was really strong. It kind of felt as strong as Episode 1 for me. It almost had a Red Wedding-type vibe. If you haven't seen Game of Thrones, once again, spoilers, Red Wedding, pretty good. Yeah, really scary. <laughs> so, when you open up this episode in the veil, Damon just totally murdered his wife straight up, just killed her. And when I saw that, I'm like, there's no way that he's going to get away with this. Somebody is going to know, especially because he picked up a rock and bashed her head in. That's got to look way different than falling off your horse and hitting your head. So I'm just like, okay, he's going to try to take over the veil, and that is going to have some consequences for the realm. And he's already caused a lot of shit, like he did in episode four, by kind of tarnishing Rhaenyra's name. And that still is reverberating through everything right now. And then we go to Rhaenyra's perspective, and she's on the way to the Stepstones with her father. And they're kind of setting up this marriage. And I thought it had already been set up, but apparently it was just being proposed in this episode. And then when she's talking to her betrothed on the beach, she just kind of goes like, Oh yeah, um, you have your lovers and I have mine. Because her betrothed, Lenore, is closeted as a gay man, and not really that well closeted. And I thought it was a good inclusion to have gay characters in the show because it, it's nothing new to Game of Thrones. It's always been there. And I mean, there's been gay people throughout history and it shows how even in real life, they didn't know how to handle gay people and how to accept gay people. So I think it gives good perspective and I really enjoyed it. And not only that, it just shows that Rhaenyra is already kind of making her own power moves in this relationship. She's saying, you can have your... Thing, and I'll have mine. And it's not, we're just going to do this as a political agenda. We know that our fathers just want to set this up, and this is going to be a marriage in name only. Then you get into the actual kind of wedding nuptials. It's supposed to be like the seven day celebration, and then at the end of it, there's going to be a wedding, all sun and dancing and fun, feasting, all the good stuff. And everyone shows up. Jason Lannister showed up too. And I thought it was kind of awkward when we saw him. He's, I was like, oh, you were supposed to be betrothed to Rhaenyra. This is ooh, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> and then you get this moment where everyone goes silent while the king is giving a speech. And he just gets interrupted. And you see Alicent walk into the room. And I completely forgot to mention this. But she had a really interesting uh, conversation with Otto Hightower. And he, he was like... 
yeah, I'm pushing to have Aegon on the throne because if Rhaenyra gets on the Iron Throne, the entire realm is going to go into disarray. You can't have a female on the Iron Throne without the entire realm freaking out. And Alicent kind of starts to see that perspective a little bit more and more and more. So when we get into the actual wedding, it was devastating. <laughs> like, when Lenor's lover, I can't remember his name, I apologize, there's so many people to remember in this show. He talks to Christian Cole and says, hey, I'm the lover of that dude and you're the lover of that girl and they're going to get married, but we're just going to be their femboys over here. And uh, Christian Cole, I don't know what happened, but he just snapped after Damon and Rainier were kind of talking, almost getting hot and heavy in the middle of the room with everyone watching. Then all of a sudden you hear a bunch of screaming and there's fists flying and I thought at first that Damon was doing something to Rhaenyra, that he was strangling her or something. And then you see that Christian Cole is just beating this guy into a pulp. And because of that, I think they hastened the wedding to be up to that night. Because after everyone leaves, you see them having this smaller ceremony where no one's really there except for the royal family and Corliss and his wife, Rhaenys. And then the king just collapses, and I'm like, and end credits. I'm like, oh my god, what happened to the king? <laughs> like, how is this going to work out very well? I thought that it was a great overall episode. It had good moments of tension, political moments where you can see how the chess pieces are moving on the board. It's setting things up. You can see how the end of the season is kind of aligning. You see where it's going, but you still have that mystery where you don't know exactly what it's going to happen. But it still is setting everything up for you and showing you exactly what the season is about. Derek, what are your thoughts? Although episode four was the slowest of the show for me, I did really like it and it was still a good episode. This episode did pick it up a little bit in as far as pace and tone. It started out, like you said, in the veil, which I immediately enjoyed because it's a new it's not a place that we haven't seen in Game of Thrones before but it's a place we haven't seen in House of the Dragon yet. And with the first few episodes basically just being in the Red Keep, it made me wonder, are we going to see Castle Black? Are we going to see Winterfell or Pike or Highgarden or Casterly Rock or Dorne or the Twins or maybe even a new place that we haven't seen or maybe even a place in Essos? So we ha our areas of House of the Dragon have been a little more limited com in comparison to season one of Game of Thrones. That being said, I immediately noticed that these people were dressed in ways that we have not seen in this show yet. So it made me excited. And all of a sudden, a hooded figure shows up and there's Damon. And immediately I knew he's going to kill his wife and he's going to become Lord of the Vale. He is totally the little finger of this show, minus the kind of grossness of Peter Baelish, although he did just try to have sex with his niece, so there is that. But It's a different kind of gross. It's a very complex character. I feel like Damon Targaryen is going to be this show's Jamie Lannister, where... You start off kind of not liking him, rooting for him because he's kind of a a dick, but he's kind of a funny asshole um, in, in, a, in a way that he has, he carries himself with pride, charisma, confidence, and he's totally unpredictable. He reminds me a lot of Loki in many ways where you just don't know what he's going to do. And he shows up at the wedding. 
He makes this entrance, which the king then just says, okay, sit, now that you've made your entrance, and he does. And he has that moment with the Lord of the Vale, or who accuses him of murdering his wife, and we all know we're going to see that guy get butchered later on. Or maybe we'll see Damon get arrested. I haven't read the book, so I'm not an expert on this. It's just pure speculation. But I do think we will see ramifications for that. I don't understand the ending part, what happened. And I think we're not supposed to necessarily understand what started the fight between Christian Cole and Rhaenyra's betrothed. But it all started with Damon. Damon had to have done something. And Damon had his hands on Rhaenyra, which made the king pissed off. And then that's where everything went downhill. So we're going to see the ramifications for that. And we saw at the very end of the episode, Sir Criston, after being rejected by Rhaenyra, his marriage proposal and his proposal to run away with her, and then to beating a guy to death at a royal wedding or fe feast, celebration, whatever you want to call it, gets stopped from committing suicide by the queen herself. Now, I think she's going to understand a lot of how he is feeling because in a lot of ways, she feels trapped. She feels like she needs to run. She feels like she would want to run. And so I think she can empathize with him a lot. And I don't necessarily think this is the end of his character. Speaking of ends of characters and Littlefinger-like characters, Sir Otto Hightower was told to leave. He is no longer Hand of the King. And I don't remember the guy who sits on the small council, but I, I, he's the new Hand of the King. I can't remember his name. I do like him, and I do think that he uh, does support the unification of House Targaryen and House Valerian, which would be probably best for the realm. But there is something a little bit about him that makes me feel like he may have some more of his own plotting and scheming behind the scenes like Otto Hightower. I hope this isn't the end we've seen of Otto. I hope that it's not. I know he's kind of a dick and he's very selfish and seeing him get caught by the king was super rewarding. It was a great scene, seeing him get dethroned from being Hand of the King. But he does bring a little bit to the show and I think he's a great actor and I think the relationship between him and his daughter is something that uh, you can really grow from throughout the rest of the show. At some point, we're going to jump to the future. We haven't seen next week's episode's trailer, but I'm certain that it's probably going to be then, and we're going to get the new actors, new actresses for the older characters. And I was reading an interview with the young actress who plays Alison Hightower. Once again, I can't remember her name. I apologize. But she said that from reading the books, from herself reading the books, she knows that Allison's decisions in the future sometimes are considered questionable. Now, we don't know if they're going to follow the books necessarily, but some people do consider Allison Hightower as a villain. And I thought that was interesting because to me, I feel like she's one of the more sympathetic characters, at least, and or at least ones you can empathize with. And so to understand or to figure out that she's actually going to be considered a villain, not played by the same actress, I think is interesting. Now, maybe that's a spoiler or maybe that's just the actress herself speculating. If it really does come to Alison Hightower pinning her children against Rhaenyra, who is Alison's lifelong friend, that will add a lot of different dimensions. And as you can see in the royal feast 
there's so many different emotions on everybody else's faces and they set it up really well throughout the beginning of the episode of what every character is going through whether it's the king collapsing and feeling like he's dying whether it's Allison feeling like a prisoner and feeling betrayed by Rhaenyra whether it's Rhaenyra feeling forced into a wedding that she doesn't want to have, whether it's Damon, God knows whatever's going on through his brain. And without any word, without any exchange of words and just looks, you can see every character and how they are feeling just through different expressions. And I love that about this episode and this show overall. It really does a great job of explaining all of the characters' motivations and making all of the characters you thought would maybe be forgettable memorable. Overall, I've really enjoyed this episode, really enjoyed this season overall, and I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Maybe the future jump will be the last jump and will stay in that current timeline where Rhaenyra seems to be in her 20s or 30s and Alicent as well. And hopefully we stay in that timeline and they won't keep jumping. You know, of course, if they get to like season seven, they want to jump to Rhaenyra when she's 60. That's another story. But hopefully not every single episode is going to do a time jump for the next eight seasons. I think that could get stale. And that doesn't seem like it would last. But I can't wait to see what happens next week. Hopefully we are able to sit down and talk about it together. As it wouldn't feel right if we weren't able to talk about it together. Because we don't talk about it outside of this. So all of our thoughts are fresh and new for each other. As well as for you guys. So thank you for your patience. And if you are new to the channel... Tune in next week and we will be here or tune in tomorrow and we post seven days a week new content on the channel. So please consider subscribing or giving this video a like. And if you enjoyed this video or enjoyed the episode or didn't enjoy the episode, consider leaving your thoughts down in the comments below for a friendly discussion. You can follow us on Twitter at Shipwreck Sunday. It's our new Twitter handle because Speed Force Media was already taken. <laughs> you can also check us out every Sunday. We have our podcast called Shipwreck Sunday. We will see you guys tomorrow with a new episode. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful day.